Let's pray. Father, I want to thank you for today. Thank you for um, being here. Thank you for the people in the room. Thank you for your presence in the room. Thank you that you are the God who created all of this, who made a way. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for making a way that we can have a relationship with you and we can do this even. And Lord, I pray as, as, as I speak this word that your spirit would just come and speak to us. And remember the privilege that it is to hear your word. There's people in this world who, who can't even get a copy of your scriptures. Because their lives would be in danger if they had them. So Father, I pray that you would just... Um, I pray as I speak that what is of you would just go straight into our hearts and what's of me would just fall to the floor, Lord. For I believe you have given me a word for us for this time. And I pray right now that your spirit would just come and speak to our hearts. I ask it in Jesus' name. So there's a book in the Old Testament called Isaiah. It was written thousands of years ago. And in it he said there would come a day when people would think that what was evil was good, and that what was good was evil. And I was thinking, our world right now is mad. I mean, you don't have to be any super duper or anything to realize it's bonkers. The stuff that's going on is just crazy, and it seems to be getting crazier and crazier as it, as it goes on. And it's also getting more and more negative. And it seems that the negativity is the main source of even communication across the world. Like I was looking, I, I just had a quick look yesterday on the internet and I went, news, just print news, and everything that came up was bad stuff. Everything, do you know what I mean? Within, within two minutes I found out there was three 70-year-old women killed in a crash. That news agents, I didn't even know this one, news agents are extremely concerned over violent customers. Who knew that? Um, two kids are on trial for murder. I knew about that one. Two kids. There's an Irish man after being convicted of a murder in France in a court, and he wasn't even in France. He's in Ireland. Twelve people were shot dead yesterday in Virginia, in America, not in Cavan. And there's a 16-year-old girl missing in Cavan. It's bad news. And that was only like looking for a minute or two. If I, I went, then I went looking for good news. That was a harder job. You had to go looking for that. You have to dig for that. That doesn't just come up in the news feed, all the stuff. I really had to look. And I was thinking the focus of our culture is negative. It's drama. It's bad, bad, bad. And it seems like that's supposed to be normal and okay. And I don't think that's about we're supposed to be. I was thinking, do you ever see the weather warnings on your... Do you get weather things come up on your phone? And you, you look at the thing. What does it normally say? Mine says 50 chance, 50% chance of rain today. It never says there's a 50% chance of sun. There's yours. Mine doesn't. I then have a look at the news. It says divorce rates are up to 25% internationally. It never says 75% of marriages are doing all right. And I walk, like you know this, I walk in the whole mental health arena. And they're continuously, anybody I speak to, are shouting about how bad everything is. And I'm not minimizing the problem in any shape or form. 5% of the population in the Western world is waking up every day with thoughts of suicide or self-harm. That's massive. In Ireland, that's 240,000 people. That's a huge amount of people, okay? But there's over 5 million people waking up okay. But no one's shouting about that. The bad news is what gets our attention. And the bad news 
creates filters in our heads. That's like, even if you say to someone, how are you doing? What's the, what's the normal answer? Not too bad. It's like, it's supposed to be bad. Or grand. They never say great. The Yanks will tell you they're fantastic and you think they're nuts. Right? But it's like, we get so focused and caught in that whole negativity that it's like, even if good stuff is happening, we can't see it. It's like, that's why that, that video really struck me when I saw it last week and I was talking about it last week. But he said, imagine if you woke up tomorrow and all you had was what you were grateful for today. Imagine you woke up this morning and all you had was what you actually realized you were grateful for yesterday. What would you have? Just think about that one for a minute. What would you actually have right now? I can tell you I'd have a lot less than I do have. There's a lot of things I had yesterday I wasn't grateful for. I wasn't conscious of the goodness and the blessings in my life. And here's the thing. Jesus said he came to give us life in all its fullness. To bring peace that the world can't understand or explain. And to bring hope and light into dark places. But if we don't open up to it, if we're not willing to change ourselves as people, and if we don't let God move in, we're going to miss out on it. Because we're going to be caught up in the drama and in the negativity and in the badness that's all around us. Because it is all around us. And it's not going to go away. It just isn't. I'm going to read three quick scriptures from the message version. Um, that really stood out to me when I, was, when I was thinking about this yesterday. And the first one is from John 1.14. They should be up on the, on, the, on the screen. It says, The word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. And we saw the glory where our own eyes, the one-of-a-kind glory like father, like son, generous inside and out, true from start to finish. And I just want to say this about that. Our generous, our God is generous. How generous is the God that we have? And you know what? He wants to move in if we let him. He wants to move into your neighborhood. And he's not talking about Crumlin. He's not talking about whatever it is. Your neighborhood is in here, in your heart. He wants to move in there and he wants to bring all the generousness of him into that place so that you can experience that generosity and then you can pass it on. In Matthew 11, it says, Are you tired or worn out, burned out in religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and walk with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. <clears throat> I won't lay anything heavy or unfitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. This is what God, this is what he wants to give us. This is what he wants to give us. Rest, grace, life that's free and light, but it's purposeful and abundant. And then the last one I want to read just for now is from Matthew 5. And it says, let me tell you why you're here. You're here to be salt seasoned and that brings out the God flavors of this earth. If you lose your saltiness, how will people taste godliness? You've lost your usefulness and went up, will end up in the garbage. Here's another way to put it. You're here to be light, bringing out the God colors in the world. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this, as public as a city on a hill. If I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you on a light stand. And now that I've put you down on the hilltop, on a light stand, shine. Keep open house. Be generous with your lives. By opening up to others, you would prompt people to open up with God. 
this generous Father that we have in heaven. And the last bit I want to take from them three scriptures is this. If we live like that, we're going to be irresistible to the world around us. Now, we can live in a holy huddle and not interact with the world around us, but we're going to miss out on what God has for us. But we need to know, if we're going to try and live like that, we need to know how to live like that. Is that fair enough? How do you live like this? How do you do this? And the, simple, the answer is simple, but it's hard. And it's like, the way we think rules our lives. So the scripture says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And it's talking about changing how we think. How do you think about the world? When you see all the bad news, do you just go, Actually, that's the way the world is. That's it. Or do you go, that's not the way God wants the world. We need to pray against that. Or we need to do something about that. Or do you just sit and accept that the culture has shaped the way I think and I now conform to the way that the world thinks? In Romans 12, it says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what's good and acceptable. Our minds can be changed. And I want to tell you, and I'm telling you this now, because God changed my mind. 30 years ago when I came to know Jesus, within two years, he literally changed how I thought about life. I didn't do it overnight. It wasn't an instant thing. It was a process. But he changed how I looked at me. He changed how I looked at people. He changed how I looked at the world. He changed me from somebody who blamed everybody for everything that went on in my life and never took responsibility for anything. I always had an excuse. It was always someone else's fault. To get into a place where I learned how to own my own stuff. Where I learned how to take responsibility for what was going on in my own life. Where I learned how I realized if I wanted my life to change, I needed to do something about it and stop expecting the world to do it for me. Because it wasn't going to. And God would only do it for me, through me. And with me. He wasn't just going to pop in and change everything for me. Because he wanted me to grow up. And he wanted me to mature. And he wanted me to become what he wanted me to be. Not what the world was at a shape of me into. But if we allow him to change our minds and they can be renewed, then our lives can be transformed. Now you might be sitting thinking, I'm happy out with my life the way it is. That's fine. But I have a question for you. Are you sure the life the way you have it is the way God wants it? Is there any possibility that you could actually want more for you? than we want for ourselves. And if our lives are transformed and we're never the same again, then we are going to become the light. And as that scripture in the message said, we're going to bring out the God colors in the world all around us, to all the people around us, because we'd be different. See, I don't know about you, but I want that. I want that in my life. I want it when I walk into a room that I bring some hope into a room. I want when I walk into a room, I bring light into the room. I want when I walk into a room, I bring Jesus into that room. It doesn't mean I have to preach at them. It doesn't mean I have to hit them over the head with a Bible. It doesn't mean I have to tell them they're sinners and they're going to hell. It just means I have to come in. And when I come, I bring a bit of light with me. And I bring a bit of love with me. And I loved what you said, Melissa. You were loved over the weekend. Love is a powerful force. And love doesn't mean that you agree with everything. 
It doesn't mean you go, Asher, it's grand. You just keep doing what you're doing. Everything's grand. That's not what love means. Some of the hardest forms of loving in the world is parenting. True? Parents? Does that mean you agree with everything for your kids? No. But you still love them. But we can do that. But we can do it from a different place to what we've tried to do before. But we have to take control of our thinking. And to take control of your thinking, the first thing is you need to realize what kind of thinking you have. What's going on in your head? What's shaped the thinking that you've got right now? I, like, where, where the, most of the people I work with work from a very different worldview to the one I have. They work with a secular worldview, humanistic worldview. No, no God, no afterlife, no nothing. I work from a very different place. But, but I have to be very conscious when I'm sitting with them that their worldview and how they see things is very different because I'm looking at it from this angle and they're looking at it from that angle. I don't have to agree with them. I can still work with them. We still manage to do stuff together. But I just need to be very conscious and aware of what my thinking is and my value system and my world system and all of the stuff that Jesus has put into me is different to what they have. Does that make me better? No. That makes me blessed. I'm no better than anybody else who doesn't know Jesus or who does know Jesus. My heart's desire is for them to be as blessed as I have been. But I don't have to agree with their worldview. But I do need to be conscious that that worldview is there. And it is very different to God's way of looking at the world. In 2 Corinthians it says, For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but they are divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. We are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. And we're taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Remember that one. We're taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. And we're ready to punish all disobedience whenever your obedience is complete. You're looking at things as they are outwardly. If anyone is confident in himself that he is Christ's, let him consider this again within himself, that just as he is Christ's, so also are we. Here's the thing. Our mindset is either a fortress for the enemy or it's a temple for the living God. Just let that for a second sink. And, and before I came to know Jesus and before I came to start reading the scriptures or studying the Bible or hanging out with Christians and realizing they thought about the world in a very different way to the way I thought about the world. I thought the way I thought about the world was the way everybody did. It was normal. And you know what? It was. Because everyone in my world at that time thought about the world the same way I did. But then I got exposed to what God had said and I allowed it to change my mind and he renewed my mind and he transformed my life and he changed the way we brought up our kids and he changed the way we dealt with people he changed the way I worked he changed everything for the better not always easy but always for the better but I had to realize that my mind had been a fortress for what the world and the enemy wanted in it. And it wasn't the place where I let God live. And your mind will not work in a vacuum. You cannot just push the bad stuff out. You ever try not to worry about an ESB bill? I'm not worrying about that ESB bill. I'm not even thinking about that ESB bill. I'm definitely not worrying about that ESB bill. What's in your head in the ESB bill? It's not going away. 
What you need to do is go, no, my God will provide. Jesus said he'd take care of me. You start talking about the promises of God and not about the worries. God wants to remodel our lives. He wants to renovate us. He's restoring us. He's rebuilding us. He's renewing us. And the way he's doing that is by restoring a better way of thinking. And it is the prime piece of our spiritual walk. Because everything you do to do with God, you will decide to do or not to do. And to decide it, you have to think about it. True? So I'm going to read my Bible. I'm not going to read my Bible. I'm going to ring a Christian. I'm going to ring someone in the woods. I'm going to talk about this to God. I'm going to talk about it on Facebook. Everything you do will be what's going on in your head. It'll come out. The Holy Spirit wants to destroy all the stuff that's in your head. All the guesses, all the summaries and the belief system about ourselves. And pull down the way they're thinking that's against the true knowledge of who you actually are in God. Because the end of it is, if you really believe in Jesus and you've committed your life to him, then you're either a daughter or a son of the living God. You are not the person who can get thrown around by what the world says or thinks. You're the person who is held in the hand of God. But if you don't believe that about yourself, then you will get thrown around by everything and everybody. He wants to empower us into a way of thinking that restores our confidence in Christ and what he's doing in us. So that we might look at the stuff we have to deal with in life from inside in a partnership with Jesus rather than from outside on our own thinking God's over there and hoping somehow or else he's going to help us. He wants us to get into our heads so that it sinks down into our hearts. No, God is in this. Whatever the situation, I don't have to agree with it. I don't have to like it. I put a little post up on WhatsApp the other day. Just because... Just I don't agree with what someone thinks. doesn't mean I can't love them. I don't have to agree with everybody's idea of how the world should be. I'm entitled to have an opinion, just like you are. doesn't mean we can't love each other. But I'll have that opinion from based on, I am in Jesus and Jesus is in me. Does that make sense? Our nature, our new nature, is the way God thinks about us. And he doesn't have any bad thoughts about you. He doesn't have any bad thoughts about you. He doesn't think you're useless or you're tick or you're anything like that. You're his kid. I was laughing earlier when we were saying about the babies and the baby gorgeous. And you know, some babies are ugly, but even the ugly babies, the mammies and daddies think they're gorgeous, don't they? Because they're your kids. They're gorgeous because they're yours. That's the way God thinks about you. You're gorgeous because you're his. Because he sees us through the lens of Jesus. And all he has to desire right now is to get us to conform into the image of Jesus. He wants to change us. God takes us exactly where we're like. Come as you are. doesn't matter what's going on in your life, just come as you are. But he ain't going to leave you there. He's going to want you to change into what Jesus is. He's going to want to move you. God put Christ into our life in the first place. In Acts it tells us, in him we live and move and have our being. He's in us and through him, everything that's going on in my life is happening through him. But he put him into me and he put me into him so he could accept us, to bless us, to increase us, to advance us, to upgrade my life and your life and to walk knowing that you are loved. That is some promise. Please, nothing else remember this today. God always tells you who you are. If you listen to him. Because the world is going to tell you something different. 
God will tell you. You're his child. You're his beloved. You are restored. You are forgiven. You are a princess or a prince in the kingdom of God. You don't have to deal with the negative anymore. You don't have to live in that anymore. We can be different. You can choose to stay in the negative, but you don't have to. But that is our choice. There's a couple of things we can do to help, and there's lots of things we can do to hinder. And I'm not really much into the seven steps of success kind of stuff. And if you listen to me preaching, I don't do the, like, here's four steps to be the better Christian and all that kind of stuff, right? But I do think God has order. And he has things that we need to do and processes we, we should go through for to change our lives. And the fourth step is that we need to repent. In Luke, Jesus talked about coming for to bring repentance. And repentance to me was always um, a word that was used to batter somebody. It was like, you're a dirty, rotten sinner, you need to repent. You know them kind of things? Or you see the guy standing at the corner of the park and the mad people in the movies and he's going, repent. The end of the world is coming. Do you know them? Do you know them fellas? So it doesn't, that word doesn't have a good ring to it in my life. I don't know what it's like in yours. But in mine, it has this kind of, not a good taste. But repent is simply making a decision to turn around and walk towards God. To do things his way. To decide, yes, Jesus, I give you my life. Come in and show me what way I have to walk. Instead of walking this way, going, get lost. I don't care about what you think. God says you should do this. I don't care. I'm doing things my way. Repenting is just simply going, okay, God, what do you think about that? Okay, so we should do it this way. I'll try it this way. I'll do that. That's what repenting is. The reality of whether you're a dirty, rotten sinner or not is immaterial. If you repent and give your life to Jesus, all that gets washed away anyway. It all gets sorted out one way or the other. But if we don't repent and if we don't turn around, then you can't, if you're not, if you haven't invited Jesus in, and if you haven't made that move to get to there, then there's no chance of any of the other stuff making any sense. Because it can't get in. Does that, do you know what I mean? Like you, you have, we have a family. Our kids have access to stuff other people don't have access to. You become a child of God, you have access to stuff that other people don't have. Because you're his child. Number two, let God transform you by renewing your mind. What are you filling your head with? What are you filling your head with? Are you filling it with social media? Are you filling it with the telly? Are you filling it with what God says? What are you listening to all day long? And this is not about making rules and regulations. You shouldn't be watching that and you shouldn't be listening to that. That's not what I'm saying. Everything is okay. Everything is permissible. But not everything is beneficial. I know if I sit and watch a certain load of films, I love it and I'd have a great time, but my head would be melted afterwards for days. I know if I listen to certain people or hang around with certain people, that afterwards I will feel manky inside because my head would be melted over what the conversations that were going on. And there are times in my life where I have to be in them places where I need to put other stuff in place then so that I can kind of neutralize the effects of them. What are you filling your head with? Because you know what? Whatever's getting into your head, you're letting it. You're choosing it. it sounds like I'm battering this. I'm not trying to batter this. I'm just trying to go. We have that power. That's the bit. 
We have that power to go, I'm letting this in, I'm not letting that in. I do a lot of people go, oh Lord God, just see that stuff. What are you looking at it for? Turn it off. You have the power button. If you don't want to watch it, turn it off. Someone else wants to watch it, that's there. Let them. If they want to listen to something, let them. But you have to make up your own mind whether you want to listen to it or not. The last one that I want to say is, learn to take your thoughts captive one at a time. When your head says one thing, you tell it something different. In the Psalms, David said this, and I always remember reading this, the first time I read this, I thought it was amazing. It says, why, my soul, are you downcast, and why are you disturbed within me? Do you ever notice you're just upset inside, and sometimes you don't even know why? You're just like, I'm not, I'm not good. He talked to himself. Now, we'd say you're mad if we say you're talking to yourself, right? But the reality is we talk to ourselves all the time, don't we? Just don't do it out loud in the bus. People will pick you up and bring you home. But... But reality is we're always talking to ourselves. But what are we saying to ourselves? When he was sad, and I have done this, I promise you I have done this, because I have been days where I've had depression knocking on my door, or darkness, or sadness, and I go, soul, get yourself up. Put your hope in God, because he has brought us this far, and he'll bring us the rest of the way. David said, put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. See, he told his soul to cop onto itself. When we worship on a Sunday morning, we don't worship because we want to magic up something. God is worthy of worship. But you know what happens when you worship God? You break out of the mindset that you're in that's pulling you down and telling you life is lousy. Because even if your life is lousy, God is still amazing and he still deserves worship. But when we worship him, it breaks us out of that and we feel better afterwards anyway. Anyway, no matter what, we feel better afterwards. Fill your head with the good things. Philippians says this, finally, brothers and sisters, see that finally word, that's good. When you hear the preacher saying that's good. Okay, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Noble, true, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, praiseworthy. Is that what your head is full of? Or is it full of, I'm sick of your woman next door? I've had enough of that. I'm not putting up with this. That boss is wrecking me head. Blah, 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 blah. When your head tells you you're rubbish, you tell your head you're a child of God. I'm no rubbish. I'm not stupid. God didn't make any rubbish. When the world says you can't do it, you tell the world you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. When your family tells you that you're a mistake, tell them God knit you together in your mother's womb. When life tells you you're never going to do anything worthwhile with it, you tell it that you're God's masterpiece. Create it to do good works. God is inviting us to live a life he has for us. To focus on who we are in him and what we have in him. Usher can come up for a second and, and the team. We don't normally do this, but we're doing today. We're going to sing a song again. But I want to finish with a good news story. And then we're going to pray. And then I'm going to invite you, if you want to change the way you're thinking, we don't do all the calls very often, but we're doing one today. Just leave it on the transformed one for a minute, Tony. If you want God to give you whatever you need to change the way you're thinking today, I'm going to invite you to come up the front. If you haven't given your life to Jesus, maybe today is the day to do it. If you think you've done it and you're not sure, do it again. Be Irish, be sure, be sure. Or if you're struggling with something today, then come up the front and let us pray. And believe that God 
can help you by the renewing of your mind to transform your life. But your responsibility part of this is you need to change how you think. You need to be willing to change how you think. Is that okay? Let me just read this. It says, May 13, 2017 was a wet Saturday afternoon when my husband, my two young daughters, and I filed into our car on a mission in our small town in Oregon. Anonymously, we wanted to stake out 20 garden signs. The sign said, Don't give up. You are worthy of love and your mistakes don't define you. A few weeks before, we were hanging out with friends when one of them mentioned the suicide rates in our community and I about fell out of my chair. I felt completely hopeless and ill-equipped to be part of a solution. After all, I wasn't a therapist. I didn't know of anyone suffering with thoughts of self-harm. What on earth could I do? But it was clear in my heart I had to do something. The idea of encouraging yard signs had been bouncing around in my head for years. But it was always just a silly idea. That is until May 2017 and then it became the something. What was she thinking? When we knocked on strangers' doors asking to place signs in their yard for two weeks, they didn't hesitate. Once they saw the signs had no brand and no website, no organization, no strings attached, just a young family trying to spread love and hope, they were all in. Within a few hours of returning home, the community was buzzing about the signs. And when we realized people wanted to purchase the signs for their gardens, we spoke up and offered to help. My friend Jessica, a talented graphic designer, designed and printed our first batch for us and the second batch. And pretty soon I was emailing her in a panic after being flooded with orders. But in a few days, our community ordered over 150 garden signs. I vividly remember that week sitting on the couch, feeling totally elated and completely overwhelmed. I looked at my husband and said, this is big, are we all in? Do we want to do this? Because now it's a thing. Do we want a thing? Without a hesitation, he confirmed, we're all in. And that night, he built a website. Over the next few weeks, we added more messages. You matter. You're not alone. One day at a time. It's not too late. We also added smaller, cheaper product, wristbands, stickers, encouragement cards. Selling everything at cost. This wasn't about making money. The movement really picked up traction when family friends road tripped that summer and left a trail of our product in every public bathroom, restaurant, and rest station across the country. The stories of beautiful connection with strangers through our product stored my heart. Indeed, this was big. I'm going to skip because it's too long. And this is an organic, okay? The product has been shipped to 50 states and 26 countries in six different languages. But the most encouraging and fulfilling part of running this movement are the stories. With permission, Below are just a few from the first three months. I simply couldn't keep up with all the stories. Friends, let's not underestimate the power of simple, kind words at the right place at the right time for the right person. Let's not wait for someone more qualified or less broken to spread hope and love. Life is messy, but we're in this together. Amy Wolf is the woman's name. To do that, you need to change how you think. You need to stop thinking small about you and start realizing that you're a child of God who was created in his image to do amazing things in this world. One of the stories was our son was a victim of suicide about three weeks ago. We read about your efforts with the signs when his fiance liked your post. We're trusting God to bring about good from the pain. And we see this as one of those good things. It means a lot to us that you are caring about people that you don't even know and following it up by actually doing something. We don't know if a sign message would have helped their son, but we pray that it will help others. 
as you said, we believe that love always wins, especially God's love. And that was meant for good. God will use, sorry, for evil. God will use for good. Our grief is so raw right now, it's hard for us to think about helping others yet. So thank you for stepping forward. I just had a woman knock on my door. She began to cry and thank me for the signs in my yard. She lives up the road and said her son had attempted suicide. And these signs were in the yard the day she came home from the hospital. She drives by every day and for her, her son and her daughter, the reminder is profound. That lady is being the God colors in her words. And all she did was make little signs and put them in people's gardens. No rocket signs. No massive big TV, anything, nothing. Just made signs and put them in gardens. I'm not saying we all need to go out and make signs and put them in gardens. Do it if you want to. But there's things we can do to be the God colors in the world where we live. So let's do it. Let's be it. Let God change the way you think. Let him renew your mind and transform your life. Because he designed you to be somebody. And even right now, I know I'm not who he designed me to be. And neither are you, no matter how good things are. There's more. Let's cooperate with the Holy Spirit and let him renew our minds. And finally, let us live as children of Almighty God. Anointed, loved, accepted, wanted, chosen, special. And different to the world around us. We're not supposed to be the same. We are supposed to be different. Our kids are supposed to be different. We're children of the living God. Once we were the same, once I was the same, but I'm not the same now. I am different because God transformed my life. So if you want that, then what I'm going to say is get up off of your chair and come up here and let God transform your life. That this today, the 2nd of June 2019, might be the day where you make that final decision. And maybe you've been walking with God for a long time and it's gone cold or it's weird or whatever. Someone's got up your nose and you've pulled away. Today, let today be the day that you let God begin to renew your mind and transform your life. Amen. I'm going to sing a song. I'm going to stay up here. I'm going to pray with anyone who wants prayer. But just let's pray. Father, I just thank you for your word. I thank you for your presence in this place. I thank you that you have a plan for our lives that far exceeds any imagination we have of what it could possibly be. But Lord, right now I pray you move in hearts and minds in this place. Lord, we believe you want to do something today. And I want to pray for the people in this room, Lord, that they would have the courage to step into that place. That they would step into allowing you to change the way they think to renew their minds and to set them free to be transformed into all you have for them and for us and I ask it in Jesus name so as the guy is saying 